If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, we are looking at the book of Deuteronomy, working our way through Deuteronomy, uh, looking at the gospel according to Moses. The gospel according to Moses. And today we're in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 19 through 46. So the rest of chapter 1, we're going to knock it out today. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, 19 through 46. And if you don't have your, a Bible with you, then uh, grab the Pew Bible there and you pay, turn to page 136 in the Pew Bible. That's page 136 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't, do not have a Bible of your own, then we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you. And that's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So please take that and use it for your benefit, your blessing. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 through 46. You know, I think hell, well, I know hell will be full of people who thought they were okay. There's going to be a lot of people who stand up on Judgment Day, and they're going to expect to hear a good verdict. But instead of a good verdict, they're going to hear, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. You see, there's a lot of church people who will find their 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 place there on judgment day they're going to hear those words there's a lot of people who are in the church who think well i i, I said a prayer so i'm good i, I attended church on a, a fairly regular basis so i'm good i gave a tithe so i'm good my name was on the church row so i'm good but yet when they face the judgment seat they will hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because they thought their outward sentimentality would be enough. But when all, in actuality, they were faithless with their life. They were absolutely faithless. And that's what we find today. We, we see in our text today that God does not desire, desire outward sentimentality. He cares nothing for outward sentimentality. God desires faith and obedience. God desires faith and obedience. That is a faith that produces obedience. Sentimentality is no good. You must have faith that produces obedience. So if we're going to be assured of our faith today, then we need to understand the faces of faithlessness. We need to understand the faces of faithlessness. And today, in today's text, we see five faces of faithlessness. Five faces of faithlessness. That's the, the main message that we're going to see here in our text today. And I want you to, to hear this message and allow this message to serve as a warning, dear friend. Judge your own heart. Judge your own life. Are you living in faith? Are you just doing outward work to check a box? How's your faith? Check your faith. Make sure you're living in faith. Now, in 
we are here in Deuteronomy, and as I've explained before, Deuteronomy is outlined, it's structured along the lines of a, an ancient covenant, an ancient treaty between God and Israel. And, and right now, the section that we are in from chapter 1 to chapter uh, 4, uh, this is all historical prologue. So he's laying the foundation, he, he's reviewing the history of God and Israel to, to establish why they are entering into this covenant. Why they're entering into this covenant. And, and part of that historical prologue is to show the faithfulness of God and the faithlessness of Israel, God's people. And so we've rewound the clock. Israel now is, they're, they're standing on the banks of, of the Jordan. They're, they're getting ready to, to go into the promised land. And so Moses says, let's hit rewind here. Let's go back. Let's go back all the way to, to Mount Sinai 40 years earlier. And, and let's start there and let's review the history between us and God and, and see what's there. He's already demonstrated over and over again the faithfulness of God. We've seen that. We've seen that God is faithful to keep his promises. He is a promise-keeping God. He swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your, your offspring after you, I'll, I'll send them into the land of Egypt, and there, there, there they will serve as slaves. But 400 years later, I will bring them out of Egypt, and I will bring them to the land of promise. And, and, and they've done that, right? That's happened. And so Moses has reminded them of God's faithfulness. In today's text, we're going to see three other indicators of God's faithfulness. And so let me just point those out to you kind of in passing right now. And then you can see them as we go through the text. But I want to bring them out and draw your attention to them. Focus on them for just a moment. We see here three indicators in the text of God's faithfulness. If you, you go down to chapter 1, verse 29, you see that God is a faithful warrior for his people. God is a faithful warrior for his people. Moses here in the verses, verse 30 especially, he reminds Israel that God is the God who fights for them. He is a God who fights for them. When God brought them out of Egypt, they never picked up a weapon. They didn't do anything. God fought the battle for them and wiped out the entire Egyptian army. Right? The, the Israelites never picked up a, a sword, never did anything. God did it all. He fought for them. He is a faithful warrior for his people. But not only in that, God is also a faithful father to his people. He is a faithful father to his people. Look at verse 31. 31 says, And in the wilderness... Reminding them of the, the, the days that they were in the wilderness coming from Sinai to the, the Jordan River the first time in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. He gives this imagery there of a father walking with his child on a long journey. And the child gets tired. I'm tired, Daddy. I'm tired. And Daddy reaches down and he picks the child up and he sets the child on his shoulders and he carries that child the rest of the way. God is a loving Father who loves His children and cares for their need. 
He is a faithful father. But not only that, God is also a faithful guide to his children. He is a faithful guide. Look at verse 32. Uh, actually, 33. Skip down to 33. God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tent in fire by night and in, a, in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. As they traveled from Mount Sinai to the promised land, God went before them. Right? They, they stayed and camped until God picked up and moved. And when God picked up and moved, they followed God. In a cloud by day and in a fiery cloud by night, they followed God. And God directed them. He guided them all through the wilderness until they came to the Jordan River until they came to the boundaries of the promised land. He was a guide to them. You know God guides us today. Providentially, through the work of his Holy Spirit, he guides his people even today. God is our warrior. He is our father. He is our guide when we trust in him. God is faithful. He is a faithful God and he keeps faith with his people. He never backs down from a promise. He keeps them all. He fights every battle. He, he is a loving father who cares for us and provides for us. And he guides us along the way. Psalm 23, 1 through 3 reminds us of this very fact. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is faithful to his people. And we can trust that. We can trust that always. We can depend upon God's faithfulness time and time again. But here Deuteronomy likes to, to contrast the faithfulness of God to man's faithlessness. And man's faithlessness is highlighted in these, these passages that we're going to see today. And so we're, we're going to look at the five, the five faces of faithlessness. Now, we're going to read God's Word. I'm not going to read it all, but we're going to start by reading the first few verses here, uh, verses 19 through 25. So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 1, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy Word. Now remember, this is starting at Mount, Mount Sinai, just after they came out of Egypt. Then we set out from Horeb, that is Mount Sinai, and went through all the great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to, to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See... The Lord your God set land, uh, has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us 
uh, word again of the, the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The thing seemed good to me, and I, and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Oh, Lord, open up your word to us today. Let us see here our own tendency towards faithlessness. Lord, expose any faithlessness in us that we might resolve to ground our faith in you, trust you, and surrender our lives to you, O oh Lord. Speak to our hearts. Give us hearts of obedience today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, as we, we start out this text, this text starts with the, the people of Israel at Sinai. And, and they, they leave Sinai. This is 40 years prior to, to Moses speaking to Israel now in Deuteronomy. 40 years earlier, they were at Sinai. They had seen the Lord, right? They, they had experienced the Lord delivering them out of Egypt. They watched the Lord defeat their enemy, Egypt, at the, the Red Sea. He destroyed them. He wiped out the army in one moment. And then they moved to Sinai. And there at Sinai, they, they saw the, the, the power of the Lord descend on Mount Sinai. And they, they shook in fear at the, the power, the glory of the Lord. They saw him, and, and they witnessed that. They trembled. And then once they had received the law from God there at Mount Sinai, then God gave them direction, go now. You've been here long enough. You, you've been sitting around long enough. Now, come on, let's go. Let's go to the promised land. And so God guided them all throughout the wilderness. It was a terrifying wilderness, the text says. It was terrifying, right? Uh, they were going through land that they had never seen before. At times it was harsh. At times there was, there was a lack of food. There was lack of water. And God provided for them as a loving father. He provided for them over and over and over again. He gave them manna when they were hungry. He gave them meat. He allowed the, the birds there, the, the pheasant to come in and, and land in the camp. Right? He, he, he provided them water to drink. Even in places where there was no water, the Lord provided for them. He cared for them. And he brought them all the way to the land of promise. And there they are. There they are. They're on the banks of the Jordan. They're looking across the river. They're seeing over there. There's the promised land. There it is, guys. There it is. There's where God is bringing us. Look at the land. Go in and take possession of it. The Lord has given it to you. He has given it to you. Just obey the Lord and go possess it. Well, let's, let's talk about this, Moses. Why don't we send in 12 spies? 
Right? I mean, that's a strategic move, right? We're going in to possess this land. We don't know anything about this land. So let's send in 12 spies. They'll check out the territory. Uh, they'll check out the people and, and, and note where all the cities are. And, and that will help us plan our attack. So let's send in 12 spies to spy out the land. And then we can plan our strategy and go in and possess the land. Most said, all right, well, hey, that sounds like a good plan. And so he picks out one man from each tribe. And he sends those 12 men into the land of promise, and they spy out the land. And they come back with a great report. Oh, you should see it. It's a beautiful land. It's fertile. It's rich. It is flowing with milk and honey, right? It, it has everything that we could ever want. It's a great and wonderful land. It was a good report. This is the, the, the prime rib of land, right? This is, this is a great land. But then something happens. Then something happens. Notice verse 26. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord. It's a good land. Just go in and possess it. But they would not go up. They would not go up. Why? Because 10 out of 12 of those spies who went up, they started saying, yeah, it's a great land. It's a wonderful land. It's rich. It's a rich land, but there's some folks in there. And they're bigger than us. They're badder than us. They got armies stronger than us. They got fortified cities. They have all of, all of this equipment. They have, they have all of this, this, uh, these weapons of war. They, they, they're, they're bigger and better than, badder than us. We can't do it. So instead of going in and possessing the land as God commanded them, they wouldn't go in. Instead of responding in faith, they responded in faithlessness. They responded in faithlessness. And here we begin to see, the, uh, reveal to us the five faces of faithlessness. The five faces of faithlessness. And here's the first face of faithlessness. Faithlessness is rebellious. Faithlessness is rebellious. Yet you would not go up and rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. The Lord said, go in. It's yours. I've given it to you. Not I'm going to give it to you. I've given it to you. It's yours. Just go in and take possession of it. And they said, no, God. No. You know, that's rebellion. That's rebellion. Psalm chapter 14, verse 1. Some of you will be familiar with this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Literally, the, the Hebrew text says, the fool says in his heart, no God. No. No. 
You know, you, you ever notice you never have to teach a kid to say no? They get that one all on their own. Oh, come on, little Johnny. You need to eat your vegetables so you'll grow up big and strong. No! Not going to do it. Come on, little Susie. You need to go clean your room. No! Not going to do it. We don't need anybody to teach us to say no. Because we say it all the time. Someone tells us something to do. No! Not going to do it. We are born with a rebellious spirit. And that rebellious spirit comes out when God tells us, you need to do this. This is good for you. No! God, I'm not going to do it. I know you say that's what's good for me, but no! You're not going to rule and reign over my life. I'm Lord of my life. No! Faithlessness is rebellious. It's rebellious. It says, no, God, you will not rule and reign over my life. I am the master of my domain, not you. God said, go in. Israel said, no, we're not going to do it. Faithlessness is rebellious. Second, faithlessness is blasphemous. Faithlessness is blasphemous. Look at verse 27. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. They blaspheme the name of God. Blasphemy is the act of, uh, or offense of speaking sacrilegiously, that is, untruthfully, about God are, are sacred things. It, it is profaning the name of God. And that's exactly what the Israelites did. They said, look, look at God. He promised us all of these things. And he, 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 he's not keeping his promise. He lied. He lied to us. He brought us here to destroy us. You see what they're doing? They're calling God a liar and an evil God. There's no good in God. He is an evil God. He is a deceptive God. He brought us here to destroy us. And that's what sin does. That's what faithlessness does. You know, you've heard this question, how can a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, there's a lot of things wrong with that statement. Number one, there is no good. <laughs> none of us are good. There are none who are righteous, not even one. There's no such thing as a good person when we get our our standard right when we start comparing ourselves to god but to say how can god a good god allow bad things to happen to good people what is the inference there what is the implication that either one god is not a good god he is an evil god who allows evil things to happen to people or He's not a good God, or he's not a powerful God, right? He's not powerful enough to keep bad things from happening to a good people. It's blaspheming the name of God. It's applying something to the character of God that God is not. God is a good God. God cannot tell a lie. He cannot speak truth. There is no sin in God whatsoever. In fact, as we've learned in a, a previous sermon, God is the standard of truth. 
He is truth. He sets the standard of truth. He cannot tell a lie because he is truth. Yet faithlessness says, I don't trust God. God's a liar. He's really an evil God. He's allowing these things to happen to me. If he was a good God, he wouldn't allow these things to happen to me. God must be an evil God. He must be a lying God. Faithlessness blasphemes the name of God. Faithlessness is rebellious. It's blasphemous. Third, faithlessness is fearful. Faithlessness is fearful. Look at verse 28. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are great and taller than we. The cities are are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. You see, God said, go up, and they said, oh, but the people, the people are too big, they're too bad, They're, they're greater than us. You see, they don't fear God, they fear people. Faithlessness is fearful, it's fearful of people. It's fearful of the wrong things. It's, faith, it's fearful of people. It, it looks at people and says, oh, oh, I got to go with the crowd. Right? I, I got to go with the crowd. You, you see, a, a, fear, a faithless person, faithlessness looks to opinion polls to, to discern morality. Right? Uh, what do the people say? On this issue of morality, what do the people say? What's the most popular opinion? I take that one. It's living in fear of people. Faithlessness gives in to peer pressure rather than following the Lord. That's ultimately what they're doing. They're afraid of people. And if we're honest with ourselves, how often do we choose the wrong thing because we fear man rather than fearing God? faithlessness fears man faithlessness fears people while faith fears god has a proper fear of the lord but faithlessness fears man rather than god faithlessness is rebellious it's blasphemous It's fearful. Number four, faithlessness is truth-suppressing. Faithlessness is truth-suppressing. Notice verse 32. Yet, oh well, let me back up there. Let's go back to verse 39. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight for you just as he did for uh, for you in egypt before your eyes remember god wiped out the egyptian army you're you're afraid of all these people in 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 the land of canaan you're you're afraid of all these people in the promised land don't you remember at back at the red sea one of the greatest uh, armies in, in the world god wiped them out and you didn't lift a finger Remember, God's a warrior. He's a faithful warrior for you. 
and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went into uh, until you came to this place. He cared for you. He provided for you. He was a loving, good father. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to, to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in a cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Even though the Lord was a faithful warrior, a faithful father, a faithful guide, you suppressed the truth. You refused to believe God, to trust God. God told you the truth. He showed you. He proved it to you. And yet you suppressed the truth. They suppressed the truth. No, we don't believe God. We don't believe God. They suppressed the truth. They believed the lie rather than the truth. They believed the spies who said, we can't do it, instead of saying, uh, believing God who said, Yes, I can. You can't do it, but I can do it, and I will do it for you. They believe the lie rather than the truth. And this is what's been happening since the very foundation, hasn't it? Genesis chapter 3, God said Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, look at the land before you. Look at the garden before you. All of it's yours. It's all yours. All of the trees here that are producing fruit, that, that's all yours. One thing. That one tree in the midst of the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat its fruit. You've got everything else, but don't eat the fruit of that one tree. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And in Genesis chapter 3, here comes Satan, disguised as a serpent. And what did he say? Did God really say that the day you eat of that fruit, you would die? <laughs> You're not going to die. You're not going to die. God just doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him. Right? You'll have knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God. And what did Adam and Eve do? They believed the lie rather than the truth they believed satan rather than god and they partook of the fruit did god lie no because death came into the world sin came in through the world and death came with sin and death spread to all men because all sinned god didn't lie death came into the world because they partook of the fruit but adam and eve believed the lie how often do we believe the lie? How do we often do we look at the world and the world says, well, I know God's word says this, but really this will make you happy. I know God's word says have complete joy in him that God will give you joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That was from the day's Bible reading. Those who are, you are following along with the church Bible reading. 
Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice because our joy is found in the Lord. But how often do we believe the world and say, oh, but there's a lot more joy in all of these things, these trinkets. There's much more joy in money rather than God. There's much more joy in material possessions rather than God. There's much more joy in things like baseball and football than God. So we suppress the truth and we chase the things of the flesh instead of following God. Faithlessness suppresses the truth. Faithlessness is rebellious. Faithlessness is blasphemous, fearful, truth-suppressing. Oh, wait a minute, let me back up there. Faithlessness is truth-suppressing. Uh, it's kind of like this, and, and this is what we see. You know, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson created his own Bible. It's called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. What Thomas Jefferson did, you know, he was a, 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 at the very most an agnostic. He really wasn't a Christian, he was a, agnostic. And, and he liked some of the things that the Bible said, right? There's some good things in this book. But, you know, there's a lot here that I don't agree with. And so what did Thomas Jefferson do? He started going through the Bible. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. And he tore out all the parts that he didn't like, and he clipped and pasted all the stuff that he did like and put it in his own little Bible, and that was the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Augustine said this, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. If you leave out all that you don't like about the gospel and only hold to what you like about the gospel, you don't believe in the gospel. It's not the gospel that you are trusting in, you're trusting in yourself, your own little God. Faithlessness is truth suppressing. Number five, faithlessness is presumptuous. Faithlessness is presumptuous. We'll just pick up from where we left off there. In verse 34, and the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he was holy, he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with me the Lord was angry on your account and said, You also shall not go in there. Joshua the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for your little ones who you said would become a prey, and your children who today have no knowledge of good and, or evil, they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Now notice, this is a command from the Lord. The Lord says, turn and journey into the wilderness in the direction of the sea. Then you answered me. We have sinned against the Lord. Yes and amen. 
we ourselves will go up and fight, just as the Lord our God commanded us. And every one of you fastened on his weapons of war and, and thought it easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, say to them, do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, and you would not listen. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do and beat you down in Ser as far as Hormah. And you returned and wept before the Lord. But the Lord did not listen to your voice or give ear to you. So you remained at Kadesh many days, the days that you remained there. They acted presumptuously. Faithlessness is presumptuous. It's presumptuous. God said, turn and go into the wilderness. Don't go up and fight. I'm not with you. Don't do it. And they rebelled against the Lord again, and they acted presumptuously. Now to act presumptuously is to presume on the Lord. Right? It's to presume on the Lord. I know the Lord says, do this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing and expect the Lord to bless me anyway. I know the Lord says, love your neighbor as yourself and look after the interests of others and not just your own interests. But I'm in this career and it's a cutthroat career. And if I don't lie, cheat, and steal, then I'm not going to make it in this career. So I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal, and I'm going to expect God to bless me. I'm going to live like a heathen six days a week, but I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to the preacher preach, and I'm going to give a little money to the offering plate, and I'm going to, even though I'm living like a heathen six days a week, I'm going to expect the Lord to bless me because I did my little thing. It's presuming on the Lord's grace. It's presuming on the Lord's goodness. Living in sin. Living in an absolute disobedience to the Lord. Yet, you think the Lord's going to bless you. How often do people do that? How often do people do that? I, I know the Lord says that, you know, a sexual relationship is reserved for the marriage. I don't care. I'm going to live with my girlfriend. I'm going to do my own thing. And when we do get married, I'm going to expect the Lord to bless our marriage. Even though we didn't do it with God's way. I'm going to expect that blessing. It's faithlessness. It's presuming on the Lord. We want to live life like we want to live it and then expect the Lord to bail us out when we get in trouble. It's faithlessness. It's faithlessness. Faithlessness is rebellious. It's blasphemous. It's fearful. It's truth suppressing. It's presumptuous. And if we're honest, we probably see some of these in our own life from time to time. But let's consider, finally, the Lord's response. The Lord's response. 
First, look at his response to faithlessness. Verse 34, And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. Not one. Not one. God said, Go in. I'm giving you the land. Trust me. Believe me. I'm doing this. Go in. Take possession of it. They said, No, God. We're not going to believe you. We're not going to trust you. And God said, all right. If you're not going to have faith in me, you don't get the land. If you don't trust me, if you don't have faith, you don't get the land. You don't get the blessing. Faithlessness. God condemns faithlessness. God condemns faithlessness. If you don't trust God, you're never going to make it to heaven. That's the key thing. It it doesn't matter what what role your name is on. It it doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. It doesn't matter how, how many times you mouth a prayer. It doesn't matter how much you give to the church. It doesn't matter. None of that matters if you don't trust God and believe God. You're condemned. You're condemned. But but here's the good news. (laughs) Look how God responds to faithfulness. Except Caleb, the the, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it because he he, he wholly followed the Lord. He believed the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. You go back to Numbers chapter 14 and you see this whole thing working out in history. There you you see the 12 spies go out and then the 12 spies come back and two spies were faithful to the Lord. Caleb and Joshua. Two of the spies, God said, I'll give them the land. They were faithful. They trusted in the Lord. They believed God, and it was counted to them as righteousness, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Caleb, Joshua, believed the Lord, and God blessed them. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses faithfulness. When we trust in the Lord, and we follow Him wholly, He will bless us. Now understand what I'm saying here you're not saved by your obedience this is not works based salvation Caleb and and Joshua were not saved by any of their works they were saved by faith they believed God and their faith in God led to works It led to obedience. Yes, Lord, I believe you. Let's go. And the same is true for us. For James says, just as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. Faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't produce works is dead faith. For even the demons 
believe God is, is, is powerful, right? Even the, the demons believe God is one, that He is creator, and they tremble before Him, yet they do not have faith. They don't trust God. They don't follow God. True faith, saving faith, says, yes, Lord, I believe you, and I surrender to you. Saving faith is obedient faith. God cares nothing about outward sentimentality. You can sing with the best of them. You, you can be a part of the choir and, and sing specials. You can give money. You can do all of those things. But that's outward works, outward sentimentality. God cares nothing for. He wants your heart. He wants your faith. He wants you to trust him and follow him in obedience. You know, for us, faith, faithfulness begins with faith in God's promises, namely the promise of Jesus Christ, our Lord. For all of this, Old Testament history is all building up to the ultimate promise, the ultimate promise of Abraham, the seed through whom all the nations would be blessed. God preserved Israel to, to, to preserve the line that would bring about the seed through which all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. It's all leading up to Jesus. And faithfulness begins by trusting in Jesus, trusting that he died for our sins, trusting that he was raised so that we would be assured of our salvation in him. Trusting in Jesus, trust in Jesus. Have faith in him. But a saving faith is not just, oh yeah, I believe that. Trust in him. Put your faith in him. And surrender your life to Him as Lord. He is Lord. Surrender to Him as Lord of your life. And He will save you. He will save you. No, you're not going to do it perfectly. I'm quite sure as, as all of these, uh, uh, every Christian in this room, as we go through the, the, the faces of faithlessness, we can think about times in our Christian walk that yeah, I did that. Yep, yep, I, I did that. But you see, that's the thing about faith in Jesus. Christ died for our faithlessness so that he might reward us with his per perfect faithfulness. Fullness. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And here's the glory of the gospel. When we trust in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, when we surrender to him as Lord of our life, here's what he does. He gives us a gift. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does for us what wasn't done in the Old Testament. He empowers us. He gives us a new heart and new desire so that we desire to live in obedience to, the, to God's word. He gives us the power to do so. We'd only trust him. Some of you here today, you're standing on Jordan's shores and you're looking across to the promised land 
And God is saying, I sent my son to die for you so that I could give you my eternal promised land. If you'll just trust me, put your faith in me, follow me, and I'll give you the land. Trust me. What will you do? Will you trust the Lord? Or will you reject Him and walk away? The decision is yours. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank You that even while we, when we were faithless, You are faithful. And you faithfully sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our faithlessness, our sin, our shame. So that we might be declared faithful in him. Oh Lord. We want to be faithful at every step of the way. But we pray that you would give us power, oh Lord. Forgive us where we fail you, but give us power to strive on and live in faithfulness to your holy reign over us. And Lord, I know there's some today, they're on Jordan's shores. They've been living in faithlessness, a rebel against you. And Lord, today you stand and you're inviting them, trust me, trust me, trust Jesus, surrender to Christ. Lord, let them turn today and trust him. And know the joy of your salvation. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.